What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 23rd episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo. I'm here with my two co-hosts, Scott Klein and Hunter Evans. How you guys doing today? We're doing good. We got some breaking news on the way over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was interesting news for sure. Don't know how big of news it is, but you know, it is what it is. The Jaguars have signed tight end Michael Rivera from the Oakland Raiders. We'll get into that and a whole lot more coming up. Uh, we want to remind you that this and every show from now on will be presented by Bold City Brewery, our one and only sponsor for the Gin Jag podcast. Make sure to check them out at boldcitybrewery.com and check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. We always appreciate them helping out any way they can. Um, again, this is the Gin Jag podcast. You can find us online at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram, on Twitter, at Generation Jag, and our website, ginjag.com. Make sure to go check it out for all the latest news and analysis. We've actually just added Gin Jag TV, so now we're doing video analysis as well. Big shout-out to UCF Jaguar, a.k.a. Dalton, who's doing all our video and uh, video correspondence from now on. He'll be our first correspondent. Hopefully we'll get some more in coming soon but for now we'll just have UCF Jaguar make sure to check him out on YouTube you can also find his videos on our website again that's ginjag.com um so yeah let's get into it Michael Rivera what do we think new tight end seventh tight end on the Jaguars roster obviously not all of those guys are going to be Jaguars uh come September or even before that but you know, you've got, in terms of guys that you really think are probably going to be competing for roster spots, you've got Rivera now, you've got Mercedes Lewis, you've got Neil Sterling and Ben Koyak, and you've got Alex Ellis, two other guys, EJ Bibbs and Gannon Sinclair, probably not really going to stick around. Yeah. And some of these guys that we just mentioned might not even stick around depending on 
what the Jaguars do in the draft. But what do we think about Rivera, and then what do we just think about how he fits in to the rest of the Jaguars' tight end rotation? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> the news broke like 10 minutes before I headed over here, so I, I watched as much as I could. Um, he, looks, he looks athletic. I mean, he looks like he's a guy that can move around. He's not heavy-footed. Um, he had one play against Buffalo that he made a safety look absolutely ridiculous yeah. in the middle of the field. Um, I didn't get to see him block much. I didn't, I want to go watch some tape just to see exactly what he can do. Um, but no, he's an you know he's an athletic guy. Um, can really get up and down the field. He was sitting behind Clive Walford, right, a lot. So he didn't he wasn't playing a ton of snaps. Um, but I, I get him. Let's see what he can do on the football field. <laughs> get him out here in training camp. Yeah. I mean... doesn't move the needle for Hunter. No. I mean, I mean it really shouldn't move the needle for any of us. It's not a huge signing. I think it was in a position of need, though. Yeah, it know. is a position of need for sure. Also, you know, at this point, he could be the starter right now. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Day one. If today was the day one of training camp, he might be the starter. I think it would be between him and Mercedes. Mm. Uh, unless Koyak or Sterling took a huge jump in the offseason program. Which is very possible. They're both young players. But as of right now, I would say he would be competing for the starting job. Um, He has 144 career catches, over 1,400 yards, and 10 touchdowns. He got drafted in 2013 out of Tennessee. Um, So, I mean, those aren't bad numbers, especially for a guy who kind of got shafted in 2015. He was expected to be the starter. Uh, for the Raiders out there, and then they drafted Walford, like you said, and also added Lee Smith. So that really kind of halted his uh, his rise to becoming a starter. But it is what it is for him. He'll get another opportunity to prove himself here, uh, and that is as long as the Jaguars don't do what the Raiders did to him, <laughs> which is you know taking a tight end in the second round. Do it. The Raiders might have gotten Walford in the third round. The second or third, I can't remember now. But if the Jaguars draft a tight end for a second or third okay. round, I would have to guess, based on the depth of this class, this tight end class in the draft, if they're not starting day one, they're going to be starting by the end of the season. Oh, yeah. So it also depends on who it is. Jake Butt probably wouldn't be ready for a while mm-hmm. based on his ACL injury at the end of the year. O.J. Howard, you draft him in the first round. He's Plug and play. The, he's the guy day one. Uh, I think Joku would probably be the same thing, right. unless he really was struggling with the blocking side of things. But, uh, yeah, as it stands, Rivera is right there with Lewis, in, in my mind, in terms of who could be starting if, if we had to roll into the end of the uh, season today. It's interesting to get a potential starter this late in the free agency. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, and it, I don't think that's a positive thing. No. Certainly. Yeah, that shows you how much how much need there is at a, a couple different positions on this team. Yeah. Um, now, we brought you in there with a little bit of Californication from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Obviously, bringing Michael Rivera over from the Raiders, bringing some California love. And then we've also got Blake Bortles this offseason – going back out to California. He had a little um, pseudo-press conference with the Jacksonville media this Sunday at his uh, annual charity golf tournament for the Blake Bortles Foundation. 
And uh, he met with the media, talked about what's been going on with him. Essentially, so far this offseason, he's been working out with 3D QB. They're a bunch of quarterback gurus out on the West Coast in California. Tom House. Yeah, Tom House and uh, Adam Dito. Those guys, Bortles has really good rapport with. And they work with guys like Tom Brady. You know, they work with a lot of the best of the best. So... It's good that Bortles is working out there with these guys. Um, he said he even had some help out there, too. And Yeah, Marquise <laughs> Lee was out there. Speaking of another California connection, he's from USC out in California. So they've been working together, which is really positive. I think it's good that Bortles was able to incorporate the mechanical work, footwork, all that good stuff. And uh, also build chemistry with one of his receivers instead of having to do one or the other. Yeah, that's able to work on both at the same time. I think that's huge. A big thing last season was Greg Olson kind of you know wanted him to stay in town to work with the receivers instead of going out right to California. Right. So if you missed what Scott's talking about in two thousand, the two thousand fifteen off season, Bortles worked with three D QB the guys that he's working with this year, and then he went out and had a career year through 35 touchdown passes. Well, last year, Bortles didn't do that. He elected to stay and just work with his receivers in Jacksonville. Obviously, that was a huge mistake because his mechanics broke down so bad Mm -hmm. even before the season started. But uh, once the season got underway, it just kept deteriorating, it looked like, to the point where it was almost... Well, it wasn't almost. It was very difficult to watch. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, back to today. Uh, Bortles has been out there working with Marquise Lee with 3D quarterbacks. And um, he'll be out in California for about another week before he heads to Arizona to work with Marquise. Excuse me, not Marquise Lee. Already been working with Lee. Uh, to work with the other two starting receivers for the Jaguars. Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson, who have both been working out together in Arizona this offseason. I think that's a huge plus, too. So you've got work with Lee, you've got work with the trainers, getting your mechanics right. And by all accounts, they do look right at this point. They're looking good. The ball's high and tight on the release. And he made sure to um, articulate that basically for him, you never want the hand getting below the elbow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good way to think about it in your throwing motion. If your hand's dropping below your elbow, you're susceptible to strips. Mm-hmm. You're making the release take longer than it needs to. Yeah. There's just all sorts of reasons that shouldn't be happening. Yeah, so, he even sent out a video that Hunter kind of semi-critiqued a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> to me, it, it looked good. It's What did you think about that? It, the what video, I mean, it's better than it was last year. And it's one throw. Um, well, it's light years better. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not perfect, but then again, not many people are perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and also, he was never going to have a perfect no, throwing motion. No, and it's, it's not never going to be a cookie-cutter situation with a throwing motion. Like, everybody's going to throw different. You can't right. force a guy to throw perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, he, and I think uh, Bortles even said, like, at this point, it's not becoming perfect for everybody. It's like more about becoming perfect for him. Like, if he's comfortable in his motion and everything's tight and he's consistent and he doesn't get that dead arm, yeah, um, th- sure. But 
I mean, really, to me, that's not the biggest part about Bortles that is missing. So, yeah, decision making. Yeah, like I think his mind's understanding. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I great. Think, I would love to have him throwing beautifully and to look good and have a tight motion and a tight spiral, but not just if you can't decide to throw to A or B correctly. Yeah. Not and, it's, and not just uh, the throwing motion itself, but his footwork also was a big part of it. It looked insane at times last year, and not having a good base to actually throw off of. Yeah, and that's something that's going to happen in his game regardless of what he works on is the footwork. Because yeah. sometimes he's going to be moving out left, yeah. right, wherever, which direction yeah. he's going. And he seems to... I, I don't think people understand Bortles. Like, he's a six foot five, 230-pound human being. Like, it's not easy to get his feet moving. Like, yeah. Yeah. There are some people that are just genetically gifted to do it, but it's just some six foot five white guy out there playing quarterback. Like... He's not going to have the best feet work. He's got footwork. some wheels, though. He does have some wheels. But you gotta like, love it's him. that quick twitch muscle that he's probably it's, it's, not going to ever have. To yeah. me, it's not about getting, you know, have this foot and this foot in the exact right situation. It's putting yourself in a position to when you throw, you're using your whole body instead of just mm-hmm. pushing it downfield with your arm, which a lot of times last yeah. season it looked like well, he was trying to do. It's always the position of quarterback is about having. The most consistency and the most yeah. awkward and inconsistent situations. Yeah. Which is very hard. Like, That's very good. That's Aaron Rodgers is probably the best He's like, ever yeah. to do it. Like his arm He's angles, like the poster boy. Everything he does is weird. There's nothing, you know, p- paper cut or cookie cutter about him. Mm-hmm. But he finds a way to make it work because he's consistent with his motion. So, Speaking of some quarterbacks finding a way to work. Were either of us able to see the uh, Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky? I was. Pro days? I was. I, I, did, I missed Pro it. days don't interest me. It's boring. It's like... It's, it's set up scripted. to make them look good. Yeah, it's scripted. Like It can, is, but there's some guys that still don't look that good yeah. when no, they that's do true. it. Look at Teddy Bridgewater a few yeah. years back. He, apparently he had a terrible... Some people look terrible, there. but like... Trubisky, Trubisky looks so athletic. Trubisky has one of the best pro day coaches. He had uh, Palmer, Jordan Palmer... I, th- I think it's Jordan Palmer. Jesse, or, yeah, Jordan Palmer, not Jesse Palmer. Yeah. Three of them, I can't get them figured Jordan out. Jordan Palmer's, um, Jesse Jaguar Parsons, Parsons' brother. Yeah, Jordan Palmer. And Parsons he was also a quarterback. Was a quarterback in the NFL, um, but he's probably the best pro day QB coach that is there. Like, he was Andrew Luck's QB coach. Yeah. So yeah. he knows. You can't coach a guy to look athletic, though. He no, looks athletic as hell. But yeah. you can put a guy in a situation to make them as athletic as possible. Yeah, and uh, just on those rollouts that you see, he's rolling out, stopping on a dime, and just launching the ball downfield. It's, he's solid. Like he, A lot of his motions are solid. He's a strong, strong kid. Like I don't think people understand how strong and athletic he is. He ran a faster 40 than Deshaun Watson. Yeah. like He's an athletic human being. I think the biggest questions about Trubisky are he's only played for a year. Yeah, that's, like, that's the real question. It's not the me. biggest thing in the world, but it's a big thing. Like, you played for one year. That's not much tape, and tape shows yeah. a lot. So, Yeah, but it was all good tape for the most part. Yeah, it, it was, but 13 games of tape some, compared to 36 games of tape shows a lot of... You know, you can see a lot more in consistency. So that's the biggest question. Yeah, yeah it, it, if, you see, if he has a bad game, is that... A telling yeah. thing where over three seasons he's consistently shown the same flaws, or is it just, oh, you know, he just had one bad game? You got to take that with a grain of salt along yeah. with all his other good games. I would take him over Watson, though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
hundred percent. Yeah, Watson I think doesn't I have too. any NFL throws. Like, watch his film. Everything's <clears throat> short, intermediate mm-hmm. throws to very, very athletic receivers or running backs. The only downfield throws were to Mike Williams. Williams. Mike Williams. We just fought which the ball out of the air. Essentially, <laughs> what Watson was doing with Williams is the same thing that Bortles was doing with Robinson. Exactly. In Throw 2015. Up letting him make and, I mean, yeah. the comments that Davos Sweeney's made about we had a rule that if Williams was covered by one guy, he's wide open. If he's covered <laughs> by two, we still think we have a shot. That's like, crazy. Yeah. But that doesn't look good on Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Like, no. So that scares me. And a lot he, they, there's um, arm velocity. They they report that at the combine he was one of the lowest arm velocity with the whip and yeah, yeah. he was one of the lowest as far as just the the speed of the ball getting out of his hands well and if your if your arms moving fast for the most part the ball's coming moving fast yeah so it's I mean, it makes sense I think a lot of that stuff the statistics are kind of well it can it can give you an idea about about being able to get the ball like if you're if you're on the left hash throw it to the right sideline you know how quick is the ball going to get there how much time does the DB have to react. Yeah. Well, and that's one of, even prior to the whole process this offseason, uh, that's one of the things you saw with Watson is people talking about watch his throws to the sideline, yeah, deep not. outs. They're really scary his, to look yeah. at. His throws are slightly outside to, with the tackle box, short that's, intermediate, um, <clears throat> some post against too high looks, not much outside, not much deep outside at all. Um it's just there aren't any NFL throws. Like you can go back and watch most of his games, and they're he's not consistent with that kind of throw. Yeah, you can fluff stats like that's. Oh yeah, you can fluff stats. Look Especially at Bortles. in a spread like, system like, like that. Yeah, like, but you can always make someone look better than they really are. Especially with the athletes you got around you, and in a really good system. So. And, and in a good than... system, I think Deshaun could be very successful in the NFL. Yeah. I definitely think. He's I agree. Good. I think he's a. I think he's a game. But he, you have to have an offensive coordinator who's willing to tailor make their system for a guy like that. I think well, yeah, I'm saying like he has that. to have the right system, the right players around him. Yeah. For it Which, to work, where mm-hmm. most people do have to have that. There's very few quarterbacks that you can just throw them into any yeah, system the and then well, they're I think successful. Every, everybody needs the system to work, and everybody needs an offense coordinator. You can look at the most successful quarterbacks. They have a quarter, coordinator they are comfortable with. Yeah. Or a system they're comfortable with. Matt Ryan this year, first year he's really looked comfortable was because the system's finally right. Yeah. Like, and they were both on the same page exactly. working as a complete unit. Yeah. But they're... At some point, you've got to be able to play outside that system yeah. and make the plays that are not required of you mm-hmm. to make inside the system. So that's yeah. the question about Watson. It's can you transcend exactly what what is you know evident that you're you, trying yeah. to do? Yeah. If they if a team takes that away, are you just dead in the water? You know. So. So getting back to Bortles. Um, He'll be heading into Arizona in the next week or so, and then he'll be there for about a week working with Robinson and Hearns, and then I believe all of them will be heading back to Jack's shortly after that to start getting in the off-season program pretty here, pretty soon here. And uh, it'll be a pivotal time. It seems like uh, Robinson and Hearns, Along with Lee and Bortles, they kind of realized last year what they did in the offseason. While they thought they were working and putting in the work, they were a little high on themselves. Mm-hmm. And they need to get their butts in gear. 
that, and that, really figure out what they're doing. That group of players might be the most the most pressure to do well this year. Yeah. Of anything on the team. No question. There's pressure for Bortles, obviously. We all know the pressure that's on him. He's the franchise quarterback. Then there's pressure on Robinson, who had an incredibly disappointing... He's supposed to be the franchise guy. An incredibly <laughs> disappointing uh, follow-up to his breakout in 2015. And then you've got um, Hearns, who struggled with injuries last mm-hmm. year. That's obviously not something that... Um, Jaguar fans want to see. I mean, in 2016, I mean, 2015, he was the model of consistency. I believe he scored a touchdown in seven straight games. So he needs to return to form. And then you've got Lee, who he has a different sort of pressure. He has the pressure to continue and build off of what he did in 2016. So that he can stay healthy and keep keep producing. Exactly. And even produce more and uh, create more mismatches and I believe he. They all have the ability to do it. I think the biggest question mark is definitely Bortles. <laughs> it's the most important position. Yeah, it, it, it's the position. Well, and he's shown the least. Ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Bortles has shown the least out oh, of yeah. all three well, of those guys. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. But I think the one of the most overlooked things with this group is their how young they are. They're how humble. Of a group there, like mm-hmm. I think Bortles just did an interview with uh, Curtis Dvorak, and even his openness to approach any kind of question about him or subject. Is oh, he doesn't try. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's never closed off. He's no. never uh, and he doesn't short worded. He doesn't get know? combative when with criticism. Yeah, like he has that like certain. That. I'm willing to take on anything you can throw at me and figure a way to work it. Yeah, you know, like he approached the whole drinking before game yeah. situation. Like, how many guys do that? Yeah. Or how many quarterbacks openly sit there and talk about their motion, their delivery and their throwing motion? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think there's that has to be kind of said, but they do have a lot of work, and I think they know it. And, you know, there's just people that are beating a dead horse at this point with it. So Yeah. Now, you said earlier in our conversation for you, the biggest thing isn't his mechanics. While we all know the mechanics and footwork and all that is hugely important. For you, the biggest thing he needs to improve on is by far his decision-making. I don't think that anyone would argue his decision-making has to greatly improve. Um, do you think having these three options available to him and Hearns, Robinson, and Lee will if they stay healthy, potentially give him just much easier reads on a play-in and play-out basis? Because uh, last year you didn't see all those guys on the field together a lot. No. Um, and when you did, he was successful. Yeah. And three wide receiver sets, Bortles was on yeah, point last year. He was. It's. I don't think a person necessarily makes a read easier. Yeah. The only time it would make it easier is if you got like a Calvin Johnson kind well, of Well, if you like, know that... If the defense knows they can't double cover anybody, that it, or I mean, roll it, coverages it, or anything it makes like that, the process a little simpler. It doesn't necessarily make the read. You can because the how fast it goes after the snap is really the read. Like you can make your pre-snap reads and cues, but making a decision before the snap is what kills them. Like you can see it. Like he picks yeah. out things before. It's what you can do after. And I think 
that is huge with Hackett. Like, if Hackett can get that, that's more important. Yeah. Um, but the decision-making is the biggest because you can't really teach decision-making. At a certain point, you're just you don't you get it or you don't like. I can, you can teach somebody to throw. Yeah. I can teach anybody to throw. You bring me Joe Schmo, who's never thrown a football, even seen a football. I can teach him to throw, but you can't always teach somebody when bullets are flying and you got guys running four threes everywhere to make the right to make right. the right read yeah. and really know when a guy's open and not open. Yeah. To to Jordan's point, I think having all those guys available, it helps. It helps force the defense into a position that you kind of want them to be in. Yes. By putting people in certain situations, maybe getting a mismatch here or there. It, um, it just it helps you have a better idea of where your read could end up. Yeah. So it makes the road to your read a lot better. The, but, yeah, the earlier you can figure out exa- yeah. where you, the weakness in the defense is, exactly. the better. But every play, every pass play is going to have a fork in the road where yeah. you've got to decide, like, unless it's completely blatantly obvious, which there are some, yeah. but you've got to make a decision. Do I throw it or not? And then it's not only that decision of do I, it's how do I. Like, my arm angle, where do I go with the ball? Is Should it be a higher trajectory or a lower? Should it be a, you know, a, a touch pass or not a touch pass? Do I lead them? Your per step perception, like there's, and those are some of the things that he struggled with a lot last year. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the season, you saw in certain times, certain drives, he had the the touch. That's and uh, he really just looked a lot more comfortable towards the end. That's all it is. And yeah. it, and comfortable. It, and I think when he when Hackett became the coordinator, that a little bit of a weight came off his shoulders. You start to play a little looser. Plus, you have a running game. To well, help. The running game helps, but it's, yeah. it's the lack of thinking and the more reactive. Mm-hmm. You never want your quarterback to necessarily think. You want him to react based off of what he's been taught. And and everything that we've seen, even back in college, he was he was just kind of like a, a sandlot player, just he, just he, improvising he and, and, and just, I think just also, going out and playing. The so. one play I always think of of him in college <clears throat> is the play I, I believe it was a hail mary to win the game, but. Uh, he just drops back, not really looking around at anything, just launches the ball up in the air in the end zone, and his white wide receiver, I don't yeah. remember who it was, oh, made a diving catch. full layout, yeah, that full was extension, diving catch in the end zone. But that's the type mm-hmm. of play that always just I think of with Bortles back in college. Or even early on in his in when he was a rookie, you know, he, he it looked like he was about to get sacked. Right. He'd break out of it, run to the run to outside, throw a twenty yard pass to his fullback. Well, there's a reason that people say, and he's even said, Brett Favre would be his comparison. Like, I don't care if you are a perfect prototypical quarterback. Nobody, like, we shouldn't care. Does he get it done? I don't care how ugly or how pretty it is. Ben Roethlisberger is probably one of the ugliest quarterbacks in the NFL. Maybe in the history of the NFL. Which, and Blake got some comparisons to him as well. He takes more sacks and makes his offensive line and his team look terrible more than anybody else. But somehow he's makes it happen, and if that's what Blake does, then that's what Blake does. Like it's just, yeah, no question. Um, so we've gotten a lot of Blake Bortles talk in here. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It's the most important part of the franchise and the team in 2017. We've got a couple other things to hit on though. Tyson Alawalu, the second longest tenured Jaguar, is now a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he was the 2010 10th overall pick in the NFL draft. 
He's been labeled a bust, and you know, if he was as a tenth overall pick, yeah, he was a bust. But if he was a second round pick, exactly. no, he's been a fine player. Exactly. So uh, I think he's a guy that played consistently average to maybe slightly above average, and mm-hmm. he was never a liability. He was healthy usually. He moved around from nose tackle to three technique to. Defensive end to every single position on the line. Fullback. I mean, he did everything the Jaguars ever asked him to do. uh, And he did it not poorly. Yeah. So, I mean, I was kind of hoping they'd they'd bring him back just to have some depth at the defensive end. Well, there's a couple of guys that are always kind of like somewhat fan favorites. Like, he's just. He never complained. He had a very bad situation, just like another guy, Brian Anger, who got drafted. Way too high. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. Played probably to what he should have been drafted at. Yeah. And some people just cursed his name because of a dumb draft pick. Plus, if you're drafting a defensive tackle in the top ten, he better be. He better be the dude. The Mac. Yeah, and he was a tweener at the time. Yeah. It was a really weird situation. He only weighed like 280 in the yeah. draft, and they wanted him to play like defensive tackle consistently. Yeah. yeah. That's. Strange situation. <laughs> yeah. Big time strange situation. But yeah, now he's a stealer. So of all the players that were on the Jaguars roster in 2012, now the only one left is Mercedes Lewis. Wow. He's the That's only crazy. remaining like original Jane Smith player. Yeah. yeah. Old regime player. Yep. So that was what, the second he was oldest. Shaq Harris. Harris. Yeah. yeah. But, but the second oldest would be what? Puzzlesny? Yeah. He well, came in 2013 or wow. 2012. I guess 2013 since 2012. All, I mean, uh, Lewis was the last person from 2012. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, pretty crazy how much turnover there's been, but it was necessary. And Shows you just how bad. We're still sitting are. here waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel. It seems <laughs> like we can see it, but we really don't know. Am I the only one that seems like it's been longer than four years? That Puz Lesney's been here. So, well, I mean, he's been so consistent. It just seems like so long that, that we've been bad. Yeah. God. Like, it yep. just makes it seem even longer. Yeah, it seems like he's been here forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's weird to think about, think him, about him playing him for the Bills in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, that was, it seems like forever ago. But he was such a staple in Buffalo before he got here. Like, he mm-hmm. played there for a number of years, too, and he was... He was a beast there, too. He was even a little more athletic than he is nowadays. He, he's an old-school middle linebacker. Yeah. yeah. He's fun to watch. Speaking, that's going to get us into a, another prototypical middle linebacker, but later in the show. That's a little teaser for you. Maybe a middle linebacker in the draft? Oh, please. Oh, yeah, we'll get into it later. Uh, also... Just after our last episode, the Jaguars signed Josh McNary as well, linebacker and Colt. So that's good. Always good to steal the Colts players. And also Rivera, Michael Rivera, the tight end the Jaguars signed, he had also visited with the Colts. So I don't know if they decided not to pursue him or... He knew. He knew. Get that. Get get out of Dodge. Yeah, I'm just going to go with uh, we stole him from him. So stole Rivera. We also stole McNary... um, he Probably special teamer linebacker, um, yeah, big time special teamer. Led the Colts with nine special teams tackles last year. That would have also been tied for the Jaguars' lead in special teams tackles. So that just goes even more towards our topic last week, 
they're really building up the special teams unit. And um, Joe D ain't messing around. Yeah, he, he don't. He don't. He don't want. To, he doesn't want any chumps. He wants somebody who's gonna bring their lunch pail and say, "We're gonna be the pride of the special teams." So. Yeah, he. They don't want backups who have this. All right, let's go cover a kickoff. Yeah, like Arthur Brown was a special teams guy that the Jaguars brought in last season, and he was he was upset in Baltimore that he wasn't getting run as a uh, linebacker. But you know. Maybe if you bust your ass more on special teams, coaches notice that. And that's how, that's how a shot. lot of players make teams. Yeah. So that is not the type of player they've signed this offseason, thankfully. Even their superstar they signed, Calais Campbell. He plays special teams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great. Uh, so that's pretty much it for Jaguars news going on. It's kind of a slow week compared to what we've had yeah. in the last few weeks with all the free agent signings and re-signings of our, the Jaguars' own players and all that. But there's a little bit of NFL news. Today, Roger Goodell released a letter to fans regarding essentially the playing time of games, how long the games are taking. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a few key points that Goodell brought up. The teams are going to have a vote on a centralized replay system, which would basically be streamlined. The official would no longer have to go to a replay booth and no more under the hood. Make an under the hood pressure decision yeah. in an uncomfortable situation. Uh, essentially, they would just send it off to New York or wherever the centralized place is, and Whoever is making that decision would make the decision then and there, which this would hopefully make replays more accurate. Yeah. But I believe it's included in this letter because it will um, speed up the game. Yeah, it'll be quicker. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of times where a, a ref will have to turn over his own call. Yeah. And having somebody... Who it it's has impossible no to be subjective. Game. Exactly. Yeah. You think you made the right call. I mean, it's impossible it's, not to be yeah. subjective. Yeah. It's. I'm glad this actually came up because nobody probably watches, but NCAA wrestling tournament was on this past weekend. Uh-oh. Oh, hot topic. Let's get into similar it. Similar situation happened, though, where ref doesn't call a takedown. A very obvious call. They go into the hood. You know, it's their decision to overturn or keep it. They keep it. Like, and it's obvious. Like, that guy just doesn't want to look... Like a fool to overturn it. Yeah. yeah. And football's just catching up with hockey, what, uh, baseball, or somewhat. I mean, most sports go to some kind of central location, so. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, there's several other things that Goodell went into. The There's a play clock that now will be added after, point after touchdowns. Good. So, PATs, they'll be a kickoff going. Yeah. And so the Jaguars last year got a penalty. They got penalized for um, a delay of game on a kickoff. So was that rule not there? No, Maybe they're short. There's a kickoff after the. P- there's a a timer from when you start the uh, kickoff. That's in every level of football. If the ref feels like. There's, I don't know how long it is exactly. But, but there's not a set time. He can like, okay, this is I'm when not, the clock no, starts. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a set time. I just don't know. It's set by the ref. I believe. Okay. I believe. So I it's at, I don't his, want to, at his discretion when. Not. 
Kind of, but I don't want to necessarily sound like a fool for saying it, but I believe it's when he blows in the kickoff. Okay. Everybody does that. They yeah. blow the whistle, wave their arm. If it takes too long after that, that's when it's delayed. So now there's just going to be a play clock right after the PAT. Yeah, so kick's good. You got you got to get going. Which is awesome. Yeah. Beat the game up. Let's also, go. they um, might possibly do that after touchdowns as well. Um, they haven't figured out if they're going to do that yet. They're going to re- reduce the frequency of commercials. Oh, thank God. Throughout the broadcast. The commercial, um, kickoff so no, commercial, right, is yeah. the most And annoying. that's what we're actually, the oh. next thing. Okay. They're possibly going to eliminate commercial break, kickoff, commercial that's break. That's the worst exactly thing what you just about said. game. Terrible. So that would be really huge, yeah. And again, all these, all these talking points are all just in terms of speeding up the game. Yeah. Uh, they've had an initiative since last season to figure out what fans really want from the NFL, and speeding up the game is one of the biggest biggest reasons that fans aren't watching full games. They need to get the game. It's a big commitment. Yeah. If you're not a hardcore fan, it's hard to commit four hours to a game. Well, even if you're inside the stadium, like yeah. It's- Boring as hell sometimes. You're just sitting around, okay. Oh, 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 they're kicking kick off again. It's, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's easy to get distracted when commercial, oh, uh, what are we going to do while we're waiting for a commercial? Oh, then there's the kickoff. You missed the kickoff because yeah. you forgot about it. Then it's back to another commercial. You're standing around, yeah. you know, uh, twiddling your thumbs again. So I think it also takes out a lot of the, the commercials take out a lot of the human factor of the game of football. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in a role, like, you want to go. Yes. Like, you don't want the other team a chance to catch their breath. So, the ability to score, kick off, and go right into that drive and put that offense in a pressure situation, yeah. not 30, 45 seconds to think about what they're going to do, mm-hmm. makes it more interesting. To it's play. basically a free timeout. That's what I'm used to on yeah. a Friday night. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What a TV timeout! Yeah, yes. one timeout, a water break, a quarter or something. Mm-hmm. Man, I used to love those water breaks. Oh, they were amazing. <laughs> now, that's pretty much does it for any Jaguar related news. Obviously, any news that has to do with rule changes in the entire NFL is Jaguar related. But that's pretty much all we got for news. But we do have some fun stuff to look at. Um, we want to look at our projected starters. Uh, if the season were to start right now, who is starting for the Jaguars? There's definitely some positions where it's obvious who would be starting. There's some positions where we might have a little bit of uh, disagreement. So, obviously, right now, we all agree Blake Bortles is the starting quarterback. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't have anything else. Um, Chris Ivory or TJ Yeldon, who's the starting running back right now? And does it matter? In my opinion, it doesn't. Yeah. Because they both are going to split the load. And neither of them have shown the ability to stay healthy yet. Yeah. So. If they're both healthy, healthy I, I, I would want Ivory to get most of the touches. Yeah, I think I feel the same way. How about you, Hunter? I mean... He's just shaking his head. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's going to say the Bama guy. No, no. I would say Ivory would has to be your starter. It's a yeah. guy that you get the ball early. He's more of a you know, he can wear another running defense. back. Yeah, you yeah. start pounding it, um, and then bring in Yeldon or whoever else you bring. In. I don't know, maybe yeah. Dalvin Cook, <laughs> Fournette. I don't care. Well, you're Give not bringing in Dalvin Cook no, or Fournette after Ivory. No, but I'm saying like, <laughs> if those guys are on the team, bring yeah. somebody else. I mean, 
our running back situation is just terrible. It's See, just I mad. don't think it's that terrible. I, it's, it's terrible in the fact of there's nothing. It's very mundane for a lot of people. It's not exciting. Try no. tackling for Zive. <laughs> well, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> like, but it was exciting a year ago today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were excited. I still, Everyone was. I mean, I, Chris Ivory's a good running back to me. I, I think Yeldon is, too. Still. I think until we have a 1,000-yard rusher, it's not going to be exciting. Yeah, how many, no how many of those are in the NFL right now? Enough. Yeah. To make you think you deserve one, or you yeah, should have one. I agree. Yeah. Like, yeah, not every team has one. We're going to focus on running the ball. We need one. We, yeah, exactly. It's the, We're the not the plan. Patriots. Yeah. No. Okay. Even though LeGarrette Blount had 18 rushing touchdowns this year. That's crazy. We're not the Patriots. We're not going to throw the ball 50 times a game. And if we do do that, you're going to see exactly what you saw last year. Which is not good. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. A lot of disappointed people walking out of everybody. That's right. So, I think all of us would agree that we would like to see an addition at running back. But right now, it would be Ivory over Yeldon. Mm-hmm. Not by a long shot, though. Yeah, I think it's just whoever you feel better with starting the game. Depending on your opening series. So, I would say Ivory is the clear. The so clear we've made our lists. The Jaguars added Michael Rivera to the yeah. tight end spot. Obviously, that pretty much, in my mind, makes it Lewis and Rivera as starters. But who knows? I, I also like kind of think Koyak could... He's more maybe, maybe Rivera isn't ahead of Koyak. Yeah. Um, it just all depends on how much they value blocking, which Koyak seems like he can do it all. Yeah. So, that's interesting. Interesting to limit Sterling, tight end. Yeah, who's, who's, he's clearly not the starter, though. No, but he, he's a guy who could come in and, you know, he, he's going to get opportunities because he's a big guy who can cause huge mis- mismatches. Yeah. Uh, so, running back and tight end, two positions everyone here would like to see a an little addition. bit of an upgrade. Yeah. Uh, wide receiver... I'd be shocked if they draft one, to be honest with you, unless it's a it'd be like a six kick round. returner type yeah. guy. I would I could see them sign, uh, drafting one if they knew that they wouldn't be able to get keep all three. Yeah, but they don't know that. You saw Depends on how down the road. Exactly. Well, this year. Well, they I mean, won't know that. Hearns is here. It's Lee and Ramos. Hearns is here for for another year or two. No, Hearns is on his. Deals. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Robinson uh, and Lee are here for. Are you going to be able to sign them both? If not, I think picking up. Yeah, I think they should be able to. I think so. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> so, again, Allen Robinson, Mark Easley, Allen Hearns, that's your starting receivers. Um, obviously, in, in most two wide receiver settings, I would assume it would be Robinson and Hearns. But you never I know. Yeah. You would... Well, Robinson and Lee. You have I the luxury Robinson. of Rose. I think Robinson and Lee personally. throughout the game. I just think Lee just makes so much sense in the slot. He's such a mismatch. Yeah, but, but looking I think at what he can two two receiver situation, you got a guy like Lee who can move all over. Yeah, he can like, do everything. Yeah, you're right. Hearns is more of a. I mean, he's he is what he is. Like Lee, you never know. To me, so I think Lee and. Lee and Hearns or Lee and Robinson. Well, Hearns has my... done some of those crazy things that you don't expect I, him to do. I agree, do. but are you yeah. gonna be he does it consistently. Crazy plays. He doesn't just. He hasn't just made a few of them either. It's, it's been. It's Lee's to me the short to very very intermediate game that's intriguing about that. He can blow it. He well, can blow the top. And I guess any, also part of the play. part of the problem looking at this too is 
So you're saying Robinson and Lee are the two starters, but Hearns is the one making ten million dollars a year. Yeah, he's the year. only one that's got a big contract <laughs> right so. now. Well, I mean, I I'd be fine with like Hearns and Lee. Like, I just think Lee is the one guy on that list to me that you should put on the field. Like, I like Robinson. And I like Hearns, yeah. but something about Lee just like yeah. you love having that guy in your receiver. Every time he touches the ball, it's a potential for. Even if it's short yardage, potential for a first down, even when it's intermediate at, yardage, it's potential for a huge and, play. Yeah. And something completely different. Look at kick returns. Yeah. He had a big impact. Yeah. He had a touchdown it, on a kick return for the first time. And it might be the only one that thinks I Rashad know. Green might not be here. I don't. I, unless he shows something, yeah. I think he's out the door. Well, I think right now. If Lee's healthy, there is no need for Rashad Green. I mean, you got, like, unless, like the, unless he regains his punt return form, because his punt return form from his rookie year was stupendous. Well, but he's got to be able to catch the ball. Like he would be just a punt returner, kick returner kind of guy. Like, I don't he could be him. a slot, just kind of a slippery kind of. He can he can yeah. do what Brian Walters did if he could catch. He's got to prove it. That's my problem. Brian, he's got to prove. Brian it. Walters to me is a proven commodity. Like, there's a reason they brought him back. But but I feel like Rashad Green is more valuable in the. Punt return and can do what Brian Walters did. I mean, a diamond's valuable too, but if it's a beat up looking diamond, <laughs> it doesn't you know do anything for you. It's not valuable. Now on the offensive line, we've got three clear cut starters: mm-hmm. Brandon Linder at center, Jeremy Parnell at right tackle, Brandon Albert at left tackle. I don't think any of us sees an upgrade happening at any of those positions this off season. Would we all agree with that? Well. No. There, there might be something happening if Forrest Lamp is sitting there at the end of the first round. Yeah, that's a guard. That doesn't affect the oh, tackle. tackle. Tackle, tackle. Yeah, no. They, hey, Cam Robinson, they might just value him. And also, I think if they drafted him, that would be guard. I think they'd now, him in. Now, can AJ Can and Patrick Omame would probably be the two, two starting guards right now. Uh, I don't think that you should feel comfortable with that as a Jaguar fan. I'm not comfortable with that. The Jaguars are going to draft a guard in the first three rounds. I would be shocked if they don't. If they don't, I'd be a little scared. Like, yeah. I'm not one to be scared about the offensive line, but like that kind of scares me. Yeah, well, Can is probably going to start. No, I think Can's your guy. And You're drafting me. Dave Caldwell has said he thinks Can can be elite. I'm not on that board or on that page. But I don't think anybody. I, I think, you know, if Caldwell thinks Can can be elite, I think it. Can he at least be decent? Can, yeah, let's can see that first. So let's, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, but yeah, Forrest Lamp, probably not going to be there in the second round, but who knows. There's plenty of other guys. Feeney. Yeah. Plenty of guys to look at at guard, even though if you listen to the all the talking heads out there, they'll tell you the offensive line class is weak. I don't believe it's weak. I think it just isn't loaded with top-heavy talent. The There's thing. no premier superstar left tackle. Right. There's no Joe Thomas right. no. sitting there. You don't have that number one overall pick coming out. Yeah. And uh, so that does it for the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball is more clear. Yeah, pretty clean cut, really. Calais Campbell on uh, base packages is at right end. And nickel situations, he's at... Three technique, just like Malik, who's going to be the regular three technique. Malik Jackson had nose tackle. Avery Jones, he'll be in there in base situations. Uh, at 
Leo left end, whatever the hell you want to call it. You've got Unique Ngakwe and Dante Fowler. And I have them both listed as starters in my mind because even though Unique will technically be the starter, Fowler will also play over half the snaps. He's essentially a starter. And I I hope that they will be. But I think he should be moved around yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, you could see him playing at strong side linebacker. You could see him stunting inside, which he showed the ability to do very well in college and last year. So uh, you gotta like, you gotta really like what you see with that defensive front, Mm -hmm. Uh, the front four, and then moving into the linebackers and the secondary. You gotta like what you see there too. Paul Puzlesny plays at an elite level in his position. Can't ask him to play outside of what they ask him to do because then he'll just he can't do it. No, he's but he is good at what they are asking him to do. He's a box linebacker. He's a true Mike linebacker. Um, Telvin Smith, great will linebacker, just flies all over the field at 220, 225 pounds. He's able to lay out running backs, tight ends, big (coughs) quarterbacks, anybody. He's a lot better in run. And run stopping than I thought it would be coming out. Yeah, it's That's incredible. Uh, Miles Jack, he you figure he's a starter next year. You got to see him playing a lot of football. Um, I say take Puzlesny off the field on third down, assuming it's not third and one, yeah. third and two, uh, and have Jack in there in the middle, unless one of our other situations happens. But we'll get into that later. Um, Jalen Ramsey and Boye outside at cornerback. Colvin at nickel. Church and Gibson are starting safeties, and they're pretty much interchangeable. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about on this defense. It looks studly. Yeah. You might, the, you want to add a pass rusher, probably. The more interesting kind You want to add a backup cornerback. Yeah. The backups are really... Depth yeah. is the real question, the interesting thing about this defense, as far as building and setting it up yeah again you're listening to the gen jag podcast find us online at genjag.com we're gonna get into real quickly in our last 10 minutes um mel kuyper's last mock draft he has jonathan allen going to the jaguars at number four i want to take a look at all the jaguars options at number four that's an article i did earlier this week i think we can look at it really quickly i think obviously the most well, not the most commonly mocked player to the Jaguars, but in our minds, in our collective minds, uh, I think Jonathan Allen or Solomon Thomas is easily what makes the most sense at number four. Yeah, You're getting a defensive tackle, help with the pass rush, help sure up the front even more than it already De- is. Defensive end. Yeah, they're tweeners. Allen's a tweener. Thomas is definitely a defensive end. Yeah. But... Who knows if either of those guys will be there. So then you have to look at our Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook options there. Obviously, Leonard Fournette has been by far the most mocked player to the Jaguars. And uh, I'd take it. Uh, I think those are the two most likely scenarios. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree, Hunter? Yes. It looks like yeah. it's a, it's yes. a four-player four race right I, now. To me, Solomon Thomas, No. I don't want it. I don't want it because it doesn't make sense. Well, a lot of people think he's going to go to San Francisco at two overall. You're crazy. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, if you bring in Thomas, that means you're telling Yannick Ngakwe or Dante Fowler they're pretty much not. Like, you're bringing Solomon Thomas to pretty much start. 
right? Like, wouldn't you think he'd be playing over Unique? Like, I would think he would be playing over Fowler. Maybe not Unique. You but, can't start someone over Unique. No, but, Unique, well, unique is the like, starter. And yeah. to me, it, he but would be the wide draft Solomon Thomas. Because Calais Campbell only he's the has best two player or three years. I agree, Calais left. But if you want a guy to replace Calais or play behind Calais Campbell, why would you not go get Jonathan Allen? They're the same type of player. Yeah. You bring Calais in to play your style of defense, and he fits that mold. Jonathan Allen fits the mold of Calais Campbell, not Solomon Thomas to me. I think what you're saying is fair. I think if you're drafting Solomon Thomas, you are absolutely sending a big message to Dante Fowler. Yes. Um, Now, if those two situations don't happen, I think trade back is Mm, probably the easiest thing to predict. Because if those don't happen, what do you, you're you're drafting someone at a position that's not a position of need, and they might not even start. Right. Right. Um, Probably wouldn't. Yeah. But if they did stay there, you're looking at cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. Be amazing to have a trio of cornerbacks that could all be Pro Bowlers. Yeah. Um, I just think it's not likely. Cornerback is too deep in this draft to. Take it that high, and, yeah, and just that's signing another fair pres- uh, just signing a huge contract to AJ Boye. Mm-hmm. It's all you're fair, looking yeah. for, basically a nickel. Yeah, and that's why, and you're not even looking for a nickel because you like. Cole. Yeah, <laughs> but you know this is obviously just, just a field. best available player type situation. Yeah. Uh, then you've got your safeties, Hooker, prototypical free safety. You know he could have been for the Jaguars if he had come out five years ago. What Gus Bradley needed. Yeah. An Earl Thomas type safety, Jamal Adams. He's a box safety. He makes zero sense in my mind for the Jaguars. I don't like Jamal. Adams. Not with the signing of Barry Church, yeah. and not a box safety at four just does not make sense. Uh, and then getting to middle linebacker, oh, this God. would be a total wild card. I would do. But it, Reuben Foster yeah. from Alabama, one of the best middle linebackers to come out in a long time. It seems like runs all over the field, just nails people. Uh, He'd be something fun to watch, too. I think... Best football player in the draft. Yeah. I, I, he's me, a consensus top five player. Yeah. Best football player. Bold statement, but I like it. If we were to not be able... If we were just... Say, if hypothetically, the Jaguars don't want a running back at four. They're not able to get Allen or Thomas. They're not able to find a trade back partner. Are you taking Lattimore, Hooker, Adams, Foster? You would take Foster. I I'm, think I would take Foster I'm too. I'm taking Foster. Like I don't think people have watched his tape. Like, because well, people dude, are like, "Oh, we don't need a linebacker." But the dude is a wrecking ball. Like yeah. it is amazing to watch him play sideline to sideline. Half of his best highlights are special teams. He has a a game you know, against they like Texas that in Jacksonville where he literally almost took three or four guys out of the game on kickoff, like. I would take him. I think it's amazing. It's just it's not a popular pick because we don't need a linebacker. But the yeah. dude, in five years, people are going to know Reuben Foster's name, I think. Tim, how about you if you had to take one of those guys? Or would it be someone else that I haven't mentioned? I don't know who it could be if I <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's not much out there. Um, I mean... There's so much out there in terms of quality talent, but in terms of top as, as five as talent. At, at number four, yeah. outside this list, it's it's hard to find if you're not looking for a quarterback. Yeah. Um, to me, Foster would be a stretch just because you got Miles Jack, who you picked in the second 
Brown. Well, who you think is if going I to draft be, Foster, I cut Pozlozny the next time. Could you not see Foster? Miles so you, Jack, you have one of one of Smith one of those field? three players sitting for about forty percent of the snaps. That's if you're that's running snap. traditional. If you're running a defense like the rest of the NFL is running, where it's seventy percent nickel. But if you have a linebacker, a linebacker in Miles Jack that you feel can cover anyone on the field. Then yeah. you, you have I a mean, lot of flexibility with what you can yeah. do with, with those if, guys. If you can have if you can have Miles Jack sitting on a on a tight end or even even a slot corner or a slot wide receiver, um, and you then feel you've comfortable got Foster with that, man in the flats over here making sure nothing right, gets past right. him, and Telvin <laughs> running over there making sure you nothing know, gets past him. You might be selling him. me on this. I to me, I, corner and maybe even safety is a more important position in the, in today's NFL. But I, I I'd probably take Lattimore just because. Looking at our depth chart, he's a freak too. I mean, we have Colvin, Ramsey, Boye, and Josh Johnson. Yeah, which I like Josh Johnson, but I think he should be a fourth outside corner. Yeah, not a third outside. And corner. after that, you don't have really I anything else. Up Sydney, uh, what is it, Sydney Jones? And that's the thing that corner is so not deep in, in the, the fourth. I'm saying like later, like in your second round. Or... But for me, if I'm pigeonholed, he still into could go in the first. That's Lattimore, the safeties, or the Foster. Yeah. I'd, I'd take the corner. maybe uh, what's it, a woozy in Colorado. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> number four overall. No, 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 number four. I'm talking about okay. like cornerback. I think there's a chance to not take it at four and still get a yeah. No, there's a there's top a lot tier. Of yeah, you can get Adoree Jackson in the second Adore or third Jackson, round. Like one like, of the Gators is probably going to drop to the second I mean, round. Tabor's a possibility. That might, like, if you get if you have the opportunity to go get Tabor, whew. I think I don't think Quincy Wilson. The has top a of the draft at this point is not what you can get. Probably later. not. You got to get a guy that is so you know, head and shoulders above every other person in that draft. Yeah, cornerback. I don't see a number four guy that's head and mm. shoulders above everybody. Uh, I think Lattimore is that athletic. Yeah. And but good. yeah, I think with the two we have already. You can get a guy in the second or third round that could play that third or fourth corner with Colvin and be perfectly suitable. To yeah. me, I'll, give me give me Lattimore and Colvin can find a spot. I mean, he, Colvin's not going to be the reason I'm not going to draft somebody. I agree. Get out of here. <laughs> I agree. But yeah. I agree. But, but I mean, you, you do like him. You got to like him yeah. as a nickel corner. Oh, yeah. I you guys are kind of selling me on Foster a little bit. <laughs> it's interesting, you know. Yeah. Uh, with safeties. You're not going to find two better than Hooker or Adams. Obviously, they're vastly different. But, yeah, I, they've got to just find the player they think is by far the best player that is just so far ahead of what they're going to be able to get in the second round. And uh, I think that's a great point, Hunter. So that's pretty much going to do it for our episode today. Again, you've been listening to the Gen Jag podcast. You can find Generation Jaguar on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook and Instagram, it's at Generation Jaguar. On Twitter, it's at Generation Jag. Check out the website, genjag.com. We've got the latest news and analysis. We've got Jaguars videos, free agency recap video. Uh, we've got all sorts of fun stuff going on on the website, so make sure to check it out. Um, also, if you're interested in our membership program, we have an awesome fan group. We get together for every Jaguar game. We tailgate. All our members get to drink for free at all the tailgates. They get to eat for free at all the tailgates. It's a really, really fun time. You can also th- check that out on our website, genjag.com. There's a membership tab that'll give you all the information. It's $25 to become a member 
from now until May 1st. After that, the price jumps up to $40. But like I said, you get to drink for free at all the tailgates. You get single game ticket discounts. You get discounts at all sorts of local establishments, Metro Diner, all sorts of fun stuff. Make sure to check it out, jimjag.com. And um, make sure to check out our new YouTube correspondent who's doing our videos, Dalton, a.k.a. UCF Jaguar. You can find him on YouTube or you can find his videos on our website. You can also find uh, Hunter Evans. That's me. Our resident coach and co-host at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven on Twitter. You can find Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on Twitter. You can find me at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and whatever else I might be on. It's probably just at Jordan DeLugo. <laughs> I mean, I figure I've got my name. Why not just use it? Nobody else has it. I don't know any other Jordan DeLugo on the planet. So if you found Jordan DeLugo on any of those, it's probably me. Um, thanks for tuning in today, everybody. We had a great time. Show flew by again. Again, this has been the Gin Jack Podcast, and have a great day, Duval. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.